Right, so our, our overarching kind of uh, uh, series theme is the tabernacle for his glory. And it was a place where the Lord could come and meet his, uh, with his people. And, um, you know, as you may recall, starting in Exodus 25 and Exodus 36, we saw a, basically a parallel, a pattern. Um, it actually might be Exodus 35. Uh, but we saw a pattern where God speaks to Moses in the chapters in the 20s of how to establish the tabernacle, how to build it, the plans, if you will. And then we see the people, the children of Israel, uh, under Moses' leadership and a couple other guys under their leadership to actually build the tabernacle. So we're kind of approaching it from this design and build perspective. I'm going to ask you to turn to Exodus 26 uh, because it's not all the verses, and I want to make sure you, you kind of follow along and see, and we'll be kind of referencing the verses a few times. So Exodus 26, uh, we are just going to, for right now, read the verses on the screen. Moreover, thou shalt make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet. With cherubims of cunning work shalt thou make them. And then jumping down to verse 7, and thou shalt make curtains of goat's hair to be a covering upon the tabernacle. Eleven curtains shalt thou make. And then jumping down into verse 14, and thou shalt make a covering for the tent of ram's skins dyed red and a covering of badger's skins. So we're, again, just making our way through the build and the structure of the tabernacle. And today we're just going to talk about these coverings, okay? I'm just going to talk about these coverings. If you want to, you, you don't have to, but I would again encourage you to flip over to Exodus 36 and we'll pick it up in, in verse 8. And every wise-hearted man among them that wrought the work of the tabernacle made ten curtains of fine twine linen and blue and purple and scarlet with cherubims of cunning work made he them. And he made curtains, in verse 14, excuse me, and he made curtains of goat's hair for the tent over the tabernacle. Eleven curtains he made them. And then jumping down to verse 19, and he made a covering for the tent of ram skin dyed red and a covering of the badger skins above that. Okay, so we see the parallel passage, the design and the build. Now I'm gonna try something. I don't, I think it'll work. Uh, so forgive me here as I toggle over. So we're going to watch a video for just a second. And this video has, I would argue, some inaccuracies in it. Okay? But I'm not, I'm not trying to teach doctrine from this video. Okay? I'm just trying to give, get your brain wrapped around what's going on here. Okay, just and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the the uh, sound muted. Can everybody reasonably see it? This video is a is a, obviously a, a computer generated video about the coverings. So hopefully this works. Okay, so this there's gonna be this um, coverings with the cherubims uh, on it. Okay, and then they're attached with and there's individual curtains. They're attached with these hooks that hold it together, okay? It goes, it goes uh, slower than, and then it drapes down on the backside. Okay? Is this the whole tabernacle? This is, this is the whole tabernacle, but not the court, okay? 
we don't exactly know what the cherubim um, pattern looks like. Everybody has different opinions. That's not specifically uh, called out. But the, we don't see any, uh, any bars that go across. These are the posts, the pillars, if you will, that separate the holy place from the holy of holies. Again, you see the uh, attachments here. I don't know exactly. Oh, they're supposed to be gold. I guess it's some sort of uh, shadow. Um, so there's curtains. There's individual curtains that are sewn together. Okay? So that's kind of the, the main thing. Then you see the goat's hair uh, covering, again, individual curtains that are going to be sewn together. They are attached with brass. And we're going to look at all this today. They're attached with 50 brass hooks that hold them together. Um, the, the goat's hair actually goes down to the ground. This is one of the things that I'm not sure I totally agree with. And actually comes over just enough on the front uh, to, to provide some, some protective covering. Whether it has this kind of um, feature or not is unknown. Uh, again, this is just kind of their uh, pictorial representation. But again, that would have just laid over the fine linen curtains. So goat's hair would have had be like a wool blanket, probably would be something uh, to that effect. And again, as I'm doing this, as I'm watching it, it goes a little quicker in my mind. <laughs> uh, and this too would have would have draped down again to the to the back, and we'll see that in just a second. So we'll talk two, about that. They're two separate. They're two wraps. complete complete separate wraps. This would have been. The ram skins dyed red, and then the badger skins over that, and they would have been tinted out, um, and you know, to create this uh, that kind of tint effect. Uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, so ten ten cubits was the height of the the pillars. Is that, yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, all good. All good. All right. Does that did, did that kind of help at least a little bit, just from a a pictorial, uh, a pictorial perspective. So we'll try to go back where we were here. Okay. So the structure that, that was a placeholder. The structure being covered is actually a series of pillars that are connected on the outside, and the pillars in the front and in the holy place. We'll get to those in another study. Okay, because there's a lot of detail on that. But the, the structure, and you'll probably hear me kind of interchange some terms, and I apologize in advance for that. The structure of the tabernacle is 30 cubits long on a side and 10, cubit, um, 10 cubits on the ends. Hopefully we got this, this stuff down uh, because I want to draw a little bit here. Um, probably be enough. So it's 30 cubits, 10 cubits. Now I'm going to draw a box, but there is no actual box to it, okay? There would just be the pillars on the sides and the back, and then pillars, a few pillars in the front, and a few pillars in the middle separating the holy place from the holy holies. Are you guys with me, at least so far? It's also 10 cubits, so my drawing is not real great, but 10 cubits tall, 10 cubits <coughs> wide, 30 cubits long, okay? So <clears throat> what's a cubit? So, um, a, um, well, I guess that's on my next slide. So we know from Exodus 26, 16, that these are, t that's, not in our that's not in our study today, <clears throat> that these are 10 cubits tall. 
We know that the, that the um, tabernacle structure is 10 cubits wide in part because there were six boards at the back that were one and a half cubits each, which is a total of nine cubits, right? Uh, but the temple itself was 20 cubits wide and was documented as being twice as big in all of its dimensions. So we know it was 10 cubits wide along the back. And the, the, the side that there's kind of a, a working theory that seems reasonable is that the sideboards would have been these, you know, because they would have been a series of boards that came down were a half a cubit wide on each side. So you only needed the nine cubits to kind of go from here to here. Is that making sense? Okay. So 30 by 10 by 10. It's open. Again, as I mentioned, there's no... There's no cross members to the to the tabernacle, just the pillars that would have sat in this area and come down in the middle, okay, onto the ground, okay. So that's there. There there is a whole doctrine to that and a whole principle uh, and a picture in that that we're actually not going to get into to today. <clears throat> so let's talk about this fine linen curtain first. There were colors. We saw the representation that there were kind of almost threads, blue, purple, and scarlet. We saw from a few weeks ago that in our study that those represent royalty and sacrifice, which is really interesting because it's, and remember, all of this is in part pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ and it's pointing to the tabernacle in heaven. So it's a really, really beautiful picture that royalty would have blue and purple because it was so expensive. And then red is a picture of sacrifice. And in part, all of the animals or, or entities, the structures, the, the, the flowers, whatever, had to be killed in order to extract the dyes to make those. Um, they weren't just excreted or something like that. They didn't just pick up uh, berries, for instance, and rub them on the fiber. These, these things had to die. There was a picture of sacrifice, even in the color of, uh, of the, 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 the yarn, if you will. And then they wove those together. So they kind of, in that image, they kind of had lines that, and if you've seen a, and I, uh, you know, if things were different, I was going to bring a blanket that on one side, it looks like the Chiefs logo. On the other side, it still kind of looks like the Chiefs logo, but because of its weaving, it's not, the colors aren't right. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, you, you, you get the image because how it's woven together. Okay. Is that, are we, are we good? Yeah. All right. So the adornment are the cherubims. Now, the cherubims are very interesting. So uh, Genesis 3, we see that uh, after, the, after the fall of man, the Lord drives them out. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So the cherubims are a guard, if you will, at sitting at the entrance of the Garden of Eden. Presumably, they're still there today, wherever that may be. We also see, when we look at Ezekiel 10, using cross-references, and when I looked, behold, the four wheels by the cherubims, one wheel by one cherub and another wheel by another cherub, and the appearance of the wheels was as the color of a barrel stone. 
And everyone had four faces. The first face was the face of a cherub. The second face was the face of a man. And the third, the face of a lion. And the fourth, the face of an eagle. Now, if we contrast this to Ezekiel 1, verse 10, we see that this, these creatures, these created beings, have a face of a man, a lion, an eagle, just like this, but also the face of an ox. So this reference of having the face of a cherub is actually an ox. If you have precious moments figures, if you have a wonderful uh, whatever, uh, they're not doctrinally accurate. You can love on those. You can share them. But the guys, the people that were making precious moments didn't think they'd look as good with ox faces. So, which kind of makes sense. <clears throat> I don't think I have, we have no ox decor in our home, uh, to, my, to my recollection. I, it would surprise me if anybody does, but, but maybe, I guess some people might have some sort of cow. Uh, but so the, these cherubims have four faces, which is kind of hard to, they don't, it's not described as having four heads. It's described as having four faces. Honestly, it's almost like on the four sides of each face, there's a different presentation how they captured that in a flat knitted thing, I don't know. But like everything that I think I've seen, and I've done a fair amount of research on this, I'm not sure any of it's right. I'm looking forward to the day when we see the reflection in eternity of what God is trying to communicate here. But I don't think anyone is actually able to capture. It's kind of like trying to take... I don't know, the, a map of the earth is a sphere and trying to make it flat if, if, if you were you know, trying to make a correlation of, of that. It's, it's difficult to do. It's difficult to represent. But these cherubims, <clears throat> there was clearly some sort of, <clears throat> excuse me, some sort of representation, okay, of created beings. Now, where do we see these cherubims sitting? In the, <clears throat> ah, sorry, in heaven. Does anybody know? I'm sorry? Around the throne. So it makes sense that where God is going to meet with his people, he has a representation that virtually encompasses that place with a representation of what's going on in heaven. Okay? Like, this is not just God's like, hmm. I think cherubims would look good there. Like, no, that's not how, that's not the way it works. The way it works is this is a representation of the eternal, of the heavens. And so it's reasonable for cherubims to be there. All right. So the fine linen curtains, that first layer that went on, okay, we see that there were 10 curtain panels. Now, so go back to, if you're not there already, go back to Exodus 26. In verse 1, you'll see the reference of 10 curtain panels. And that each panel is 28 cubits long and 4 cubits wide. It's quite a bit of debate on what a cubit is, but it's probably between 18 inches and 2 feet in that range. Okay, So if you do 1.5 times or 2 times the number, you're probably close to the length. The length. The reason we're not going to focus on feet is because the proportions are 
I think what matters here, but it, I'm trying to give you some, some perspective on how, how big it was, all right? So 10 curtains that are four cubits wide it, laid together. So when they made them, they would have made, and I, you know, I'm not gonna keep doing it just for sake of, of time, but each one is four cubits wide. If you lay 10 together, how long, how, quick math check. 40, 4 times 10. <laughs> well, you said 2 feet per... Well, it'd be about 80 feet. Oh, What's... Sorry, but four, four yeah, 80 feet, sorry. 40 cubits. No, we're good, we're good. So it'd be about 80 feet long, but it would be 40 cubits long, okay? If you laid them all 10... I don't know how many of this is. 2, 4, 6, 8, 9, 10, okay? So this distance would be about 40. So when you laid it on top with a little bit of a hangover here, and over the 30 and 10, it would cover the top, the two sides, and the back. Are we, get, are we good? Now, there is also some debate about this corner, and I've seen, or this corner here and this corner here, I've seen it represented a couple of different ways that it was folded and, and done so that it didn't drag on the ground, which is why I'm also not sure I totally agree with the video. So we've talked about, so, so imagine you have all of these lines where they were sewn together, right? Across and down. Are you still with me? If you're not, I want to make sure we are together because if you're lost, somebody else is lost. Okay? Maybe me. All right. So it's 20, each panel or curtain is 28 cubits long. So what does that mean relative to the fact that each side is 10 cubits high and the back is 10 cubits long? That it's shorter than it doesn't reach the ground, okay? It doesn't reach the ground. And we saw in our previous study that this linen represents, and you've seen that you'll see it again and again in the book of Revelation, the righteousness of the saint the righteousness of the Lord, the gar fine linen robe of righteousness. So it makes perfect sense that, the that that which represents Christ's righteousness doesn't quite reach the ground, okay? It doesn't get commingled with the earth, okay? It's present, but it doesn't get commingled with the earth. We'll more, more about this in a moment. Now, each one of these are the same size, okay? Each one of them are the same size. Five are sewn together. These five are sewn together, and these five are sewn together, which makes a, a thing in the middle. We saw those little hooks, right? Now, I believe this is not just practical because it's a really big cloth. It's, it, it's like a, a, and I'm not trying to be trite, but like more like a circus tent. Like it's not, I'm not, I'm not trying to compare the tabernacle to a circus. I'm just saying it's big, right? It's like 80 feet-ish. It's 60-ish feet long, 40, uh, I'm sorry, yeah. yeah, 45 to 60 feet long. This room, I think they said is about 30, 36 wide or so. So it would be comparable to this, these two rooms together. And then you've got 30 or you've got 20 or so feet across the top, down the sides. That's a really big piece of fabric, Right? So there's, and remember, this thing's got to come down and it's got to get put up every time the Lord moves them. 
That's a lot of material. So the, there's a practicalness that they were split into two. But there's, oh, there's more than that. There's more than that to it. Okay, there's practicalness. So we see in verse 3 that five were to be sewn together and five were to be sewn together. So these two large batches of five curtains each are held together with 50 tashes, which is just an old school way of saying hook. Now, we don't know exactly what these hooks look like. They could have been kind of a semicircle or an almost closed circle uh, it could have been a ring, you know, a spiral uh, that's to, to bring them together. We don't exactly know, okay? But we know they were made out of, for the linen curtain, gold. It's interesting because the rams or the uh, goat's hair is different. So look at these verses, though, in verse in 26 and, 20, uh, and 36. That the loops make, may take hold one of another, and it shall be one tabernacle. The loops held one curtain to another, and so it became one tabernacle. Like, God spends extra time describing this process of joining it together. These pillars of wood and gold were plenty heavy, okay? They were also had to be ported about, as did this, cur- as did this, this curtain of fine linen and curtain of goat's hair. So it's not just a component of weight. There is a spiritual component. We'll see more about that as, as we go, okay? The goat's hair curtain. Now, this is the second one. This is the second layer. So now the linen is laid on the tabernacle, and there's another second one. Now, according to 26 verse 7, there's 11 panels that are four cubits. It's 30 cubits long, which means when it goes from this side up across the top, it actually goes all the way to the ground, okay? There's clearly a delineation here. God didn't mess up when it's like, oh, we cut that one a little short. No, The, the picture of righteousness doesn't commingle with the earth, but the picture of humanity, the flesh, the goat's hair, does touch the ground. Okay, it does touch the ground. So it goes 30 cubits all the way over and down. Now, it's an extra one panel or about an extra four feet long. And it actually, you're supposed to reflect that first panel back. So there would, again, be just a little bit of a covering here. And this area would have had twice the thickness of, of, the, of the goat's hair. Okay, and again, it would go all the way along the back because there were... If you subtract conceptually for that one reflected panel, it would go back and it would go down and it would touch the ground. Okay? Are we still together? Mm-hmm. All right. I know there's, there's, there's math. But the same, the same thing, notice that there's five sewn together and six sewn together, according to verse 9. And they're held together with 50 hooks or tashes of brass. Different material. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. And again, the specific designs of the hooks are not described. But why? You couple the tent together that it may be one. In verse 36, or in 36 verse 18, to couple the tent together that it might be one. Okay? So let's look at the contrast for, for just a moment. Let's look at the contrast for just a moment. 
the linen, the first one, was short of the ground where the goat's hair touches the ground. So Christ's righteousness can't be fully comprehended by this world. But the goat's hair, the, the, the putting on of flesh, can be. He's not of this world, but the reality is in this world. It's coupled with gold versus coupled with brass. Gold is a picture of Christ's deity. Okay? It's a picture of his deity. Whereas brass was more uh, um, pro- uh, protective of the air, protected by the air, um, uh, durable and withstood the elements. Okay? It's also a picture of judgment. Brass is a picture of judgment in the altars, and we see that in Daniel. There's a lot of brass associated with judgment. So it's a, it's a more natural, it, it, it interacts with natural. So while the linen uh, represents righteousness, and the goat's hair represents Christ's humanity. And all that is yet covered with additional skins. Okay? This is, and look, I, I, don't, I don't blame any one of the children of Israel for not catching this picture. But the tabernacle where God dwells is covered with a skin. His righteousness is covered with a skin and some of it touches the ground and some of it doesn't. And while I do, I might fault the children of Israel for somehow or conceptually worshiping the tabernacle and not the God behind the tabernacle, because I do think there's evidence that they, that they got off, off track a little bit there. The image, the picture, the foreshadowing of Christ cannot be missed. Okay? It cannot be missed. So what's the picture? The picture of the uh, righteousness was divided when Jesus came to earth. Okay? We see in his sacrifice that he and the, and the Lord were separated from each other. There was a division, but they're unified on mission in their fact that they're both deity. John 17, verse 22, Jesus says, "In the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. So even though there's two, there's one. Even though there's two sets of curtains, they may be one. His humanity, Christ's humanity was separated, or humanity was separated, but unified by the judgment of Christ. We were separated from God, but the judgment, this picture of the judgment of Christ, this brass, unified us together. Ephesians, Paul records in Ephesians 5, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And then he, he hits us, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Like, I'm not just giving you a lesson on, on, you know, a premarital lesson on sexual intimacy. This is a picture, a picture of two becoming one, just like Christ redeemed the church so it could have fellowship with the Lord. It's a beautiful picture. So the scene, the scene that we talked about would have been at about the halfway point, right? I mean, well, no, actually it would be farther back. Probably, I, this, I should do this math. It might actually sit on those pillars. I just now thought of that. But anyway, the, 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 the tashes, the hooks of gold, okay, they were holding these two curtains together, right? 
And as a result, this is really interesting and, and just, I, I kind of geek out on this. <laughs> but I did the math and because the one was 28 cubits long or, or wide, if you will, each curtain was 28 cubits long and the other was 30 cubits long or wide, the tashes of gold don't hit the same spot if they're evenly distributed with the exception of one on either side and it would have been down here. So they would have laid perfectly intertwined. Now, maybe, maybe, that, maybe I'm reading into it and I'm, but, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful to me that the nature of God and his design creates such an intimate connection. It wouldn't have allowed light to go in and out. And arguably, with the additional layers of the, of the tenting, no dust storms, rain, any wind that wouldn't have gotten in. It was a beautiful, a beautiful uh, closure. It would have made it pretty dark inside, especially the farther you go back in the tabernacle, because this would have all been enclosed and covered. Arguably, there would be some light getting in the front. But it's pretty dark inside. And then why, why is there 50 tashes of gold Well, or, and or brass? Again, I don't want to read into it too much. But consistently through scripture, the number 50 is the Holy Spirit interacting to fulfill. To fulfill. So we see this beautiful picture of the Trinity in these curtains. <laughs> It's just beautiful. We see the, 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 the Pentecost comes 50 days after the Passover. So the Holy Spirit shows up on the 50th day. The year of Jubilee, there's a restoration and a renewal made. And everything's wiped clean. All the debts are like, folks, I, I can't make this up. I'm not sure anybody can make it up. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of how the, Holy, the, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit work together to provide you an opportunity to dwell with him. It's, it's beautiful. So our first building lesson of the day, is your covering unified and seamless? Are you throwing some fig trees, fig leaves rather, up on the top of your tabernacle? Are you, do you have a sufficient covering? Do you have a covering in your life of the Holy Spirit joining together the work of the Father and the work of the Son? You've got, in order for God to dwell in your life, in order for him to have an impact in your tabernacle, your earthly tabernacle, you need to have a unified and seamless covering. So this, there's a process to set it up and to take it down. And I, we're going to spend the remaining time on that. We see in Exodus 40 and verse 19, you certainly can turn there if you want. Exodus 40 and verse 19. And he spread abroad the tent over the tabernacle. The he here is actually Moses. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent above it as the Lord commanded Moses. Okay, so within that passage, we see the tabernacle kind of being set up for the first time. And we see that they, the structure has to be erected first. 
right? So if I worked for a tent setting up company, that doesn't sound like that would be their official name. Tent installation company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have a good acronym. T-S-U-C. Tent Setup Company. Um, you would typically lay the, the boards out. You would put the tent over it. I've, I've actually helped contribute to... I was manual labor on this one time, so I am an expert. Um, you lay the, bo- the, the posts out pretty close to where they need to go. And then you cover it with the, the tent, with the canvas... And then somebody crawls under it and they stand up that long, maybe you've heard the the long tent in the pole or the long pole in the tent. They get that stood up and then they can do all the other side structures. Sometimes they do the side structures first, the little poles and then the big one. But the point is the tent is laid out before the poles are erected, not in the tabernacle. The sides, all these side pieces the pillars in the front and the, and, and the divide, all of that is set up. And then you got to get this fairly hefty thing over the top. Now, we don't know how they did it. We don't know the specifics of how they did it. I am willing to read into scripture and extrapolate, okay? I could be wrong about this. I'll caveat it, but it said Moses did that. I'm pretty sure one dude didn't do it. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he was responsible for it. He created the pattern. Personally, my working hypothesis, and I've seen some uh, illustration of this, is that they would have somehow secured ropes or rolled ropes up in it and thrown the ropes over and then pulled that up and over. And if you've ever seen... Well, if you've ever been to a Chiefs game where they didn't lose to the Lions, or if you've ever been to a Chiefs game, uh, especially in the playoffs, you see it in a lot of it. You'll see it probably a lot today where they have a flag that's half the size of the football field. Probably similar, you know, perspectives. And what do you see? You see a bunch of men and women, usually service men and women, who they've bundled that thing up and they're walking out and they're all holding it and it never touches the ground. That's kind of the picture I have in my mind of how they would have done this, uh, these, these coverings, okay? That there would have been a way for them to get it going over the structure, the erected structure of the tabernacle. But the tabernacle, then the tent of the tabernacle. So these coverings are referred to as the tent of the tabernacle and then the covering of the tent, which was generally believed to be stretched out. That was the last little bit that we saw in the video. Okay, So that's the process to set it up according to Exodus, at least the order. Okay, Some of the detail we don't know and I, and I extrapolated on. Okay, But there's a picture in the process. The tabernacle structure was erected. Remember, that's a very durable wood overlaid in gold. That's Christ's deity is established in that picture. Any question about his deity is addressed in his miracles when he's on the earth, okay? Christ's 
righteousness was established, okay? This is, this, these actually happened in heaven, right? Christ's deity is established in heaven. His righteousness is established in heaven. And then he takes on flesh. And he actually has similar patterns to this in his ministries. We didn't have time to go through that. Through, I believe it happens in his miracles, and I believe that it happens in, his, in some of his uh, teachings. Okay, That there is a pattern to establishing his deity, establishing his righteousness, and taking on flesh, or, or talking about his flesh. It's a very interesting pattern. And we see this multiple times over in the New Testament, okay? It's the exact same pattern. Matter of fact, there, I, I did come across something that there's actually not just the erecting of the structure, but the, the order in which, and, and we'll probably get into this, the order in which the items are placed in the tabernacle as they set it up also point to milestones in Christ's life. That Christ, through his ministry, and I haven't studied this out, so it could be wrong, but the premise is that Christ's ministry, seminal moments of his ministry, are the exact same pattern as the tabernacle. If that's the case, and a, 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 a scholar Jew couldn't have missed that. Couldn't have missed it. It's beautiful. So let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, his deity was established, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. His righteousness was established, but what? He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men that he took on flesh. In 1 John 4, two, hereby we know, uh, know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come and even now already is in the world. Like there is one thing, I, I don't think anybody in here, I could be wrong. I don't think we're struggling with the concept of Jesus actually coming to this earth. But if he didn't, we're still caught in our sins. Because he didn't pay for our sins and he didn't conquer sin and death, right? He came in the flesh. You may actually see, there is a whole um, theological position that Jesus was always ever only a spirit. And that's wrong. It's the spirit of Antichrist. Of Antichrist. So while the, the, the coverings protected pra, or provided practical protection and rep, represent the Lord's humanities, the, the, the ram skin dyed red and the badger skin also illustrate kind of the humanness of, of, of flesh, the tabernacle creates this really nice picture of the triune nature of man and the triune nature of God. The spirit in the tabernacle, the soul of the, the, the righteousness of the linen and the flesh of the goat's hair and the rams and the badger skin. It's a beautiful picture of the triune nature of man. So it's really important in our second and last um, uh, building lesson is embrace the reality and implication of Christ's earthly ministry. Embrace it. I don't, I'm not a red-letter Christian, meaning I don't put higher weight on Jesus' words than the other words of Scripture. But his ministry, 
The things he did, the pattern he set is important and should not be overlooked. Matter of fact, Paul thought it was so important that he, he described a wonderful, great mystery. And it says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. I don't know if you caught it, but this is actually another picture of the tabernacle (coughs) or another uh, description of the tabernacle. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. There's a way to pray. There's uh, an altar of incense. He's seen of angels. Oh, I don't know. Maybe the cherubims on the inside preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world and ultimately received up into glory in the form of a sacrifice. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So I hope, I know there was a lot of the, the stuff going on here today and cubits and there was math and, and stuff. But please don't miss the beautiful, beautiful picture, even of the, just the coverings that, that provided a, a place for God to dwell. And we'll probably see a few more videos. I've, I've watched a handful of these videos And every time I kind of get this, I don't know, a little knot in my stomach to think about the priest walking in there and actually encountering God. And the great thing is, we don't have to have a tabernacle to do that. (laughs) We can have that relationship with him. We just need to have accepted his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Like it really is that simple. We need to understand that that we don't bring enough righteousness to the table to earn his favor. Like we just can't. It's literally like saying the, the goal is to jump a mile high and I can get a, a great, I don't know what a great vertical is, but uh, you know, a sports vertical is a wonderful vertical is like tw- two feet or three feet or something. I get, you can, three feet? One, uh, okay. <laughs> One cubit. Vertical. Like my vertical, you could slide a piece of paper under real fast. So, but I'm not able to reach it. It's not like I don't bring enough to the table. You don't bring enough to the table. Christ brought enough. He fulfilled that. And it's without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness that, that this, this God put on flesh and sacrificed himself as a substitution for us. And we need to remember that. Like it needs to propel us forward. It needs to, we need to make sure that we've dealt with that, you know, and at some point in our past that we've had a time where we've said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner and I need you to cover my sin. I need you, I need you to your substitutionary sacrifice. You know, call on the name of the Lord for that. And then for those of you who've done that, we cannot forget, we can't get wrapped up in setting up and taking down the, t- the tabernacle and the ministry associated with the tabernacle and miss the Lord. <laughs> Don't get so caught up in ministry that you miss the Lord of the tabernacle. Let's pray. Lord, we-